There we go. Feels so right. And we can edit this out. Yes, we yeah. can. That's a nice looking, I don't know. All right, guys. Welcome to Death to Life podcast. Uh, my name is Tim Kraft, and I am Daniel Bush. And we are going to, um, on this episode anyways, we are just going to let you guys know who we are, kind of, um, you know, like our story, where we come from. Um, but I'm excited about the topics that we have coming up, man. I think, uh, like, as we were talking about what this show would entail, um, it was a lot of, um, you know, worldview things, like things that are happening out in the world, things that are going on. Um, and we both come from, you know, like a, a crazy background <laughs> lifestyle, but, um, which you'll, which you'll discover here shortly. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear, you'll hear about that in a minute. <laughs> and, um, it, it'll be a really cool thing, I think, to bring like perspective and to bring like, you know, um, maybe some, some truth in areas. Um, some of our, you know, like angles on different things going on in the world. Um, so we welcome you guys. Um, this is episode one episode one man we get to like Dude. lay the foundation this is it it's kind of no pressure no pressure at all get to set a precedent get to yeah no, <laughs> no pressure at all so like if this is the best episode ever it's gonna be hard to follow up <laughs> so um but yeah man so i you know we we had talked and we had talked about like we would just explain some about uh where we come from what we do with our lives now you know what our lives entail um and just let you guys get to know us um, so we was going to go a little into our stories of where we were raised and, and, you know, our lifestyles and all of that. So I thought that, um, we would just throw it over to Daniel and Sounds good. let's get it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm excited. This is, this is going to be good. Um, so my, this is one of those things you don't prepare for, you know, you, you just can't, kinda, you just let it flow. Just go, <laughs> comes out naturally. Right. My, uh. My story, I guess you could say, um, begins, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a, a kid that grew up in church. My dad um, is a Baptist uh, pastor, and up until two years ago, he, uh, he retired, you know, but for 38 years or 39 or something like that. Oh, wow. Hopefully it was 40. Hopefully he brought it to completion. 40 years. That's a long <laughs> time to be in ministry. That's a long time. Long wow. Time. So, uh, so that was my background as I, I grew, I literally like grew up in church. I grew up around ministry. I grew up, um, you know, at least if it feels like at least two nights a week, we were at the church, you know, doing some kind of, a um, like dinner or right, something like right. that with, you know, different groups and things. All through the week. Right. You say you was a church kid. I was a church kid, man. I was a church kid. And, and to preface all, a lot of this stuff. You know, I'm super thankful for, you know, that foundation. Very thankful for, you know, being raised in a household where there's biblical principles, you know. Right. Where our parents, you know, that was what they established for, um, you know, their family. Um, so anything that I get into, I don't want it to ever sound like, you know, I'm being dishonoring because I, I really respect my parents in a, in a lot of ways, Um but yeah, grow, growing up in church, you know, like, <laughs> and anybody out there that, that uh, is a PK or a preacher's kid yeah. <laughs> understands, man, you see all kinds of craziness. Can, you know? <laughs> but is that not like one of the hardest roles ever to be a, a pastor's right. kid? Here's why I, I think, <laughs> because people expect you to be perfect. Right. But then, you know, like you're brought up in this environment that is so, it's, it's holy. So obviously the, the human instinct in you... Um, wants to rebel right right from so the like, get-go yeah yeah from, from the, the beginning <laughs> just because it's almost like well i'll show them you know like mm -hmm. and then there's this this expectation put on pastor's kids i feel like that's right. that's tough to live up to right right and then there's another side of that coin too which is like it's almost like um the 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 rebellion is somewhat or can be somewhat uh dismissed because you are a pastor's kid right so like people see you doing whatever and you get away with maybe more than right, what you should right, because right, right. Uh, I can't, you can't correct him. He's a master's kid. Yeah. You can't <laughs> say nothing to him. Right. So yeah. Uh, so there's that too. But, um, but yeah, so uh, like I said, like growing up in that environment, you obviously, you got the good and the bad. You mm -hmm. see the good things of church. You see, you see people who are genuinely seeking God. Right. And you see people that are just like, you know, to be, 
straightforward, just total hypocrites, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, and me, me growing up and, and being a kid, you know, I was, I kind of got turned off by the, the negative side of that. I, I feel like that that's one of the hardest things is realizing that, um, like, you know, you see the hypocrisy right. in church. And so it, it would make it hard. And, and it all comes down to, you know, humans are just humans. Right. And, and everybody wants to to look good in some areas. But right. then, you know, really they don't live up to it. Did it, did it kind of um, skew your viewpoint of God or no? Um, not, it never really skewed my viewpoint of God, but it kind of skewed my viewpoint of the church in general. Mm. So I began to think like, well... Like, if they really believe what they say they believe, then they would act differently. Right. You know, yeah. like, if they really believe this. But, of course, me thinking like that, I'm doing to them what, what we just talked about them. Exactly. I'm putting a standard of perfection on them yeah. that is, isn't is not fair either. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm expecting the standard of Christ right. to be applied to, you know, all the church, which right. is not. Right. <laughs> but as a kid, you know. You, you just, don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, that's your only gauge. Is, yeah, so... A big, um, a big part of my story too is, is, uh, it, you know, is, is I guess I would say that the church I grew up in isn't, uh, wasn't like they were spiritual in certain ways and mm-hmm. not spiritual in others. Right. So, um, a huge part of my testimony and the origin of a lot of the uh, dysfunction of my life was really when um, I started I started having these like these weird feelings and things and like it, it, it's funny because it all it actually started um, when I was in fifth grade mm-hmm. uh, me and this kid were playing tag mm-hmm. and uh, he hit me and when he touched me man something like it was just like I had to touch him back right I had so much anxiety around it and mm-hmm. I and I was like man something's not right right long story short I come to find out that um, I had like obsessive compulsive. Oh, okay. And I mean, okay. You know, not. I don't want to. I don't want half or the majority of the show to be my testimony. But <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. But long story short, um, you know, I I was doing research because I'm like something's not right with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like I was like getting on WebMD, right, and all this stuff trying to figure out like what was wrong with me. And again, my natural inclination was not this is a spiritual issue. Right. This was right. a medical issue. My mom yeah. was a nurse or, you know, right. she's not a nurse now, but um, she retired. So that was kind of like the mindset. Default was like, you know, what can I do mentally and psychologically yes, and yes. by Instead means of, of medication. And yeah. So yeah. that kind of took me down, uh, you know, a crazy journey. But um, long story short, I, uh, I went through the, the, the train wreck of, of meds, man. Like, I was on seven different medications. Like, oh wow! You know them upping it and lowering it, and a lot at of a st- young age. At, at a young age, like wow. a lot of this stuff was um, like antidepressant kind of stuff because mm-hmm. that's how they treat you know, right. a lot of people with any anxiety <clears throat> disorder. Right. But man, I, I was like legitimately tormented. Yeah. You know, n- now right. looking back, knowing that it was a spiritual right. thing. I can see how tormented I really was. And I think that that's one of the things that happens so often, though, is that um, anytime there's a, a mental health issue, I'm not trying to say mental health issues don't exist. Right. They yeah, exist. Right, right. But we always, um, you know, go with the the medicinal route to fix things right. instead of looking at, you know, like spiritually, could this be something that, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I could correct in my life. Right, right. And, and, and then that... You know what? What's so sad about that is that young ages we begin. So what we do is is we we label you know people with whatever disorder they may carry and um, and then have them on medication their whole life and then that that's how the enemy works. Right. Though, if you think about it, because that's where a lie is planted right there. Right. To say to your you know, identity in to a your identity, way. You know? Yeah. A lot to, of people own the. They do. They own it, and it's it's just becomes this weird. Well, you meet a a person who, um, let's say they have um, ADHD, mm-hmm. and that's what they they let you know real quick, right, which right. means that a large part of the way they see themselves is by their condition. Right. Or even make excuses like, oh, well, I'm, the, I'm this way because I, I got ADHD. Yeah, this is past. why. Yeah, <laughs> like, 
I can't pay attention. You know, I can't pay attention because I have ADHD. Right. And then, like you, you are just agreeing with something that God never says that you are. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, that led because I was so tormented. So to give you know to give people an idea of. You know, you may not know what OCD even is, or maybe your only frame of reference is like people that wash their hands. Right, know, right, right, right. Like for, in a nutshell, it's having anxiety around a specific action or a fear or an idea. So for me, it's so weird because you, you know that the things that you're doing are, are completely irrational. You're mm-hmm. not like crazy and just doing a bunch of crazy stuff. Right. You know the things that you're doing make no sense. But you have so much anxiety that you just have to do these repetitive things yes. until the anxiety leaves. Right. You know? Right. And it, uh, it's, it's crazy. But, um, like, at nighttime, night seemed like nighttime in the morning were the worst times. So, like, when I would go to bed at night, I would flip my light switch mm-hmm. on and off, touch my bed, and, like, do just random things like that until it felt right. Until I, until I didn't feel anxiety anymore. Right. Until I had peace. Right. And this had gotten so bad that by the time I was 15, I, um, it was just one of those nights, man, where I was literally like, I was in there for like an hour in my bedroom doing this stuff, being totally tormented. Yes. And yeah. I had a, um, I had a gun. It was a, it was a pellet gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a pellet gun. I don't know if I got it for my birthday or what, but I was so just done, man. Right. Like, I was so done with the, the being tormented that I, uh, that that night I got in bed and I I took that gun and I held that gun to my head and I was just had this conversation with the Lord like, you know I'm at the end of myself like yeah. I don't want to live like this anymore right and and I believe that if that had been a real gun I, I would not be talking today wow. the only reason why I didn't do it is because I knew like <laughs> this is my this is my reasoning I'm like this is a pellet gun. What's probably going to happen yeah. is I'm going to it's pull gonna, the trigger. Yeah. It's going to cause brain damage or right. something. I'm not going to die. Right. It's it gonna, I'm going to be. It's going to be even worse. Than yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> I just won't be able to move. Right. Be paralyzed. So literally, yeah. that was my only thought. Wow. And I got so frustrated at the fact that I couldn't kill myself. Right. In that moment, that I took that gun, and I mean, it was it was pretty like uh, it was made pretty well, like steel and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just bashed, I remember bashing my head oh, wow. with that gun. And to anybody who experiences this, they know, they'll know what I mean, but it's like the pain of that gave me relief from the anxiety. Right. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to I, that. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, In different ways. Right. Whatever right. your escape is from the pain. Right. Whatever that looks like, yeah. absolutely. It's like you know, it's kind of the same rationale why people cut themselves. The average person would be like, exactly. "Why are you cutting yourself? You're, you're causing pain, but that pain is is deterring you from an emotional pain, which exactly. is actually a deeper and a more painful pain than yeah. physical pain." It's, it's so like, weird. It's I can uh, about that. I, I kind of did that one time, and it was I, I don't even tell this part of my story a lot. So you know, um, at one point during my addiction, I was like. I don't know what was going through my head, like what I was thinking, but this is what went through my mind. Like I hurt, I was sick, you know, like I didn't have the dope. So I was laying there and I was stuck in this apartment, no vehicle, no way to get nowhere. So I got this box cutter and I actually have the the scar right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just went, and just because it felt like it would release the the emotional pain that was going on inside, or at least like deflect the thought of it maybe i don't know right. what the the rationalization right so then and then i got scared and i called the ambulance and i was like i was accidentally <laughs> I, I was opening this can of green beans and i accidentally you know because i yeah. felt like an idiot but in that moment you're like how do i escape you know what i'm feeling yeah and, and that's the only way i could figure out how to do it which i mean that in of itself is Gosh, you could do a whole podcast probably on that. Just alone. that, yeah. Just the fact that you know, emotional pain is and torment is, in many cases, a far deeper thing than physical right. pain. Right. I mean, you know, people that um, have ever considered suicide or have ever thought about suicide understand exactly. And there's yeah. a lot of people that, at one point or another in their life, absolutely have seriously contemplated that. I, I would say. Uh, <clears throat> Way more than than people would probably think, right? Or admit, to. yeah, or admit, yeah. So, um, so fifteen, yeah, like that was the height of like 
my, you know, OCD insanity. But the devil used that to lead me into drugs. Mm -hmm. So at 15, that same year, I started uh, a bunch of my friends. They had started smoking pot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I was, (laughs) I had enough like, uh, principled fear of the Lord yeah. <laughs> to be like, no, right. no, no. not do it. Yeah. But they, uh, eventually kind of just, I guess, wore me down, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I was spending the night at uh, my friend's house. He's like, Oh, come on, man. You gotta try it. You gotta try it. And I'm like in inside, I'm like, you know what? If this is going to bring me peace right. and rest, then, then I'll take I'll it. I'll try it, man. Cause yeah. I'm tired of living the way I am. Right. So what I had, you know, what I came, came to find was that it brought me a temporary piece account it was counterfeit it is just just for a moment right like yeah, yeah. just for a moment well and then as we all know as we both know yeah never the it, moment you have to have more the more, moment more. can never actually be captivated fully right it's right. like this never-ending chase yeah so now you're an addict yeah before you know it you you quickly yeah so it's like it's it's crazy because I'm, I'm sure there's people listening like that have been addicts, but I can understand why people that have never been addicted to things, it's hard for them to understand. It is. It's hard to contemplate, you know, and and I hear people say, I heard somebody not long ago say about one of their family members or something, and they were like, I just don't know why they don't just quit. Right. And if it was that that simple, I'm sure they would just be like, oh, okay, I'm done. But the reality is it's, it's this, um, man, it's such a mental stronghold that grabs a hold of you. Right. And then before you know it, you're, everything that you do in your life is centered around that drug. Right. Every activity. Like, I can The way you live your life. Like, every It part. becomes, like, I, I remember, you know, this, this, this uh, addiction to pot obviously didn't stay there. It mm-hmm. led into prescription meds, opi- opioids, all that, right. all that stuff. Right. But I remember thinking to myself, like, There'll never be a day where I'll be able to be just free of this. Normal. Like, yeah, yeah. Because it over years it becomes just how you do life. Yeah, it's just a normal part of yeah. your life. And yeah. and then you know like you would almost and I don't know if you ever did this, but I would see someone that that I knew um, you know didn't have a drug problem, and I would envy that person's life, yeah. and I would think to myself like. You know, I would give anything to trade places with that person right. because you think they have it all together. Yeah, <laughs> like, but really, you learn later. Everybody's pretty jacked up. But like in that moment when you're stuck and you think to yourself, like, um, number one, the 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 lie is always that um, your problem is you know very unique to you, right. which we believe to be true. Like they don't get it, but that's not accurate either. Mm-hmm. But then you you go on and you learn that um, you know like. Everybody has problems. They just look different. Some are louder than others, but everybody has things they have to overcome. Some are more obvious. Some are more concealed. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so, like I said, the the, um, the addiction to pot quickly grew. I mean, to something deeper. Like it wasn't enough to, you know, just smoke. You know, a quarter of an ounce. Like then mm-hmm. it was like between me and my uh, my friend, my cousin. It was like a half. I mean, we were like. It, it, it quickly became something where we're like, man, we need something else. Yeah. Because this yeah. is just stupid now. It's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. It's just not doing what it, we need it to do. Right. Know? And it's so funny that you're talking about, uh, you know, like um, how, how we're kind of talking about like it becomes a, a way of life. I Looking back at it now, I can see that like the freedom that I have in Christ mm-hmm. now is kind of like what I was looking for the whole time. That's what... The way that I felt, like when I did drugs, it was like I didn't care what people thought of me. Right. I didn't care. I could just be me, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, like it gave me the empowerment to just not overanalyze everything Mm -hmm. and think like, how are they perceiving me? It's like, but now I have that same thing. Not that I don't care about people, but it's like... It's a it's an inward freedom that you get from the Holy Spirit. It's it is pure. It's clean. Yeah, you know, there's no regret. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where I, I I think a lot of people don't understand is that you know like that's what most people that are searching for something in drugs are really searching right. for. Right. When I got that epiphany and that truth, like this is really what I was trying to find in heroin. Right. You know, like that that truth in itself will do a lot to, to tear down so many lies in your life. Right. And, and it, it kind of, I believe, um, kind of excels, um, you know, your, your renewing of your mind because that one truth, like, 
tears down so many things in your mind that you used to believe and it just opens up a whole new mindset and a perspective on life that you never knew existed right so um yeah so that's that and it's you know like when when you think about simply how do people overcome addiction they find christ and i know that sounds generic to some people but truly if you can relate to what it feels like to be searching in the bottom of a pill bottle for peace um you know what that epiphany really means right and, and so, knowing that knowing that there's a replacement so to yes speak. like i like i've heard you say you know you were made to be addicted right we were we were made to be addicted like my mindset where i was like man there, there'll never be a day where i'll live apart from this right well there never is a day or has been a day where i've lived apart from being addicted yes, exactly. but now the addiction and where i get my fulfillment where i get my peace yeah. is a different source exactly it's an eternal source like it's it's not a temporary it doesn't fix. run out it's a it's a it's it lasts you know eternal. yeah like i truly believe that the um i remember i was with eddie james in um israel and we were driving up this Mount of Olives, and it's like a road like this, um, just curvy, you know, like you're driving straight up this mountain. And I had that epiphany, and this is what came out of my mouth. The counterfeit of the presence of the Holy Spirit is what it feels like when people bang heroin into their veins, because in that moment, you're just like, I can remember seeing a girl um, shoot up Oxycontin for the first time, which is the same thing, you know. And when she did it, it was just kind of like, like, you know, just this relief, right. every problem leaving. Um, but, you know, like, so when I got into God's presence, like truly for the first time, I'm like, no, this is it. This is the, yes, yes. this is what the enemy was trying <laughs> to counterfeit, you know, right. like this peace and this, like, I just give you every burden that I'm carrying all the, and you know, like the, the, the deception comes in. If you take this, you'll have peace. Right. But God says, like, you know, if you'll give me your problems, you'll have peace. Right. And so it's like this trade-off of, like, okay, I was never wrong to, like, really chase after the drugs. Chase, I was wrong to chase after the drugs. Right. I was never wrong right. to chase. Right. right. I was just chasing after the wrong thing. Right. Um, you, inherently, you inherently look for something that satisfies you. And, yeah. there's, and that's, there's nothing wrong in that. No. But there's only one thing that can fully Truly. do that. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I don't like to, to beat around the bush with it and be like, yeah, just, you know, create your own God. No, like you find the real God. You find right. the true um, presence of the living God. You right. find you accept the truth that, you know, he who knew no sin became sin so that you could be forgiven of your sin. Right. And when you that becomes reality in your life, that's when you find true freedom and life begins to make a lot more sense. Right. And so... Um, that's the key. Simply. It's, it's funny too because the the counterfeit it's like the devil always markets it as the very thing that it's it's the opposite of what it truly is. So yeah. he it's marketed like this will give you peace, this mm-hmm. will give you you know, you'll finally find freedom. Yeah. But it quickly turns to bondage, like quick. very quickly. Really quick. It makes you you know, you're a slave yeah. to this thing that he's peddling trying to lure you in and you yeah. and there's no you feel like there's no way out right. and, and i feel like without god there is no way right. out like no no true you know path to real freedom anyways there's like this white knuckle effect where you can just like fight through life every right. day and be miserable but to have the true you know the fullness of freedom is, is only available through that right and so um yeah so where where did it go from you know the addiction um how did you finally Find your way out of it. Um, so, uh, in my first, uh, after my, f- I think it was my second year of college, some things fell through with where I was at in college, and um, I came back home. So I went to college in Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. That fell through, and ultimately, like, I mean, for me at that time in my life, that was kind of like my identity. Like, this was what I was going to do with my life. This right. was the path that I was going to take. So when that fell through and I came back home, the addiction got so much worse, man. It was like, you know, that was like really the pit of, uh, you know, my life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I was doing things that I never thought I would ever do in my life. Right. But it was because I, it's because my sense of identity was just shaken. Right. Know? Right. It's totally dismantled. Um, but at that same time, it, it's amazing how God 
like put certain people in my life. I met a couple um, different people that God kind of used instrumentally to just be a friend, you know, like yeah. not, uh, you know, I knew they were Christian, mm-hmm. but they, they didn't speak Christianese to me all day That's and try important. to, and try yeah. to, you know, convert me every time they saw yeah. me. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. They're just yes. real people, man. Just loved you. <laughs> right. Right where you were at. And this, this seems, this may seem funny to some people, but like this one guy in particular, I met him in college and, uh, you know, we became friends and he knew, like, he knew I was a drug addict. Like he knew I was mm-hmm. addicted to drugs, but he would ask me like how I was doing stuff. And, and I was honest with him, you know, mm-hmm. I'd be like, dude, I'm not doing great. Like life sucks. Whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> really <laughs> struggling. Right. Yeah. And, uh, he said, he made this comment one time. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to pray for you. And up until then, you know, in the culture that I grew up in, it's like, Oh yeah, you're going to pray for me. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Like, Go home, right, <laughs> whatever. Right, right, right. I mean, maybe you know. I'm sure there are good people that did, like right. passionately, of course. But it was never like, you know, right in the moment. Mm-hmm. And he, and that's what he did. He said, "No, I mean, right now, I want to pray for you right now." And I'm like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "What are you? You're yeah. a weirdo, man." Yeah. Like, what the crap? Right. Yeah. And he, you know, he'd put his hand on my shoulder and he would pray for me. And I, <laughs> I think there were times where you know he would close his eyes and he would just be praying, and I. <laughs> I would just like look at him, mm-hmm. analyze, being like, "Are you? He's like, is he for real? You <laughs> is know? he really like, is this? And ultimately, the thing that I talked about before about seeing in church, like, if God's real, we would behave differently. Absolutely. I saw this in him. I yeah. saw like, man, this guy believes right with his whole being. Right. Like he, he. It's not just a theology to him. Yeah. He knows God. Right, and you could see it in his eyes. Like, yeah, like this guy, and you know, of course, I was still like uh, <laughs> whacked out and kind of, yeah. um, you know, put off by him. But his sincerity and his authenticity, I couldn't help but be captured by. Right. Him. I mean, and right. looking back now, I know it's, it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But um, he invited me to his church, and you know, he was up front and uh, about the kind of church that he went to. And uh, he's like, you know, we just say so you no. Know, we we like to believe in the Holy Spirit, speaking <laughs> in tongues and all stuff. And, uh-huh. You know, and I, I went back to my dad. And I'm like, this kid invited me to church, but like he said that they they speak in tongues and oh. stuff. And you know, I grew I grew up in church. Yeah. But because I'd never heard of it, and you know, maybe our church has talked about it, but right. I never remember even hearing about it. Right, right, right. And so automatically, because I was never introduced to it or remember being introduced. I automatically thought it was just like wrong, yeah, demonic yeah. or something. Absolutely. Anything unfamiliar, right? I'm like, yeah. that's bad. That's yeah. wrong. So I asked my dad, and, and my dad is like, "Well, yeah, that's in, that's in the Bible." Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was kind of upset because I think I was 20 mm-hmm. or 21 at this point, and I was just like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> like, yeah. I felt like, How'd you how do I not me? know about this? Yeah. You know? You're a pastor. Why didn't you right. tell me like, about I'm this? I'm 20 years old. Yeah. And I've never heard. But, you know, not to make it about all about that, that gift or whatever. But, right, right, right. But there was something dramatically different about about this church and about the people in the church. Like, mm-hmm. they were just, man, they just, you could tell and sense that they love the Lord. Right. And this is, this is kind of where it all turned around for me. I went to, um, I went to church one time, mm-hmm. and ironically enough, somebody gave a tongue. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I had ever heard that. Right. In that kind of a setting. Right. And uh, whenever they started, it was like for the first time in my life, the God I knew of, because I always believed in God. I never, I never really questioned if there was a God. Right. But for the first time in my life, God wasn't just in my Bible or in my head. He mm-hmm. wasn't just a theology. Like I knew that he was in the room. Yeah. And... It was undeniable. Like his spirit is actually here, and right. it was so intense, man. Like I don't even know what the interpretation was, mm-hmm. but it was like something opened up, and I could I could sense that he was there. Right. And I felt I remember feeling this overwhelming, like intense love, mm. and it literally you know you know how it is trying to describe spiritual things and natural so language. So the best I can describe is that it literally felt like a like a river 
was in the room, but it was all being like channeled. Yeah. And it was a yes. river of love. Like it was yes. just a river of love. I get that. Gosh, man. Totally it, get like, it. The next thing I knew, like I'm just, I'm on the ground and I'm sobbing, crying, you know, snot's coming out of my nose. Like <laughs> I'd never experienced anything like that. Right. And in that moment, it was like, like I said, it, God was no longer an idea or a theology yeah. that I believed in. I just met him for yeah. the first time. And that's when things change, man. Right. I think when it becomes more than an idea. Right. Like, and that's what I tell, like, you know, even our, our clients we have in our, our treatment centers. I'm like, listen, man, I can sit here all day and tell you about God. Right, right. But if you never experience him and you stay here for, you know, whatever, four months and you never have an encounter with him, yes. you leave with him only being an idea. Right. And that won't carry that no, won't that won't, won't sustain. get you through things. No. Yeah. It, you'll never sustain any type of freedom with that. Right. And so I think that that's one of the um you know like as we and we're going to eventually do an episode like on the church culture and all that stuff, but I do think that that's one of the things that um that needs to be more of a focus in in what we teach people. And mm-hmm. I know there's plenty of people that do that, but you know um, the reality of it is this too. I have people even come and say to me like, "Oh yeah, like even just as an example for the reach and for you guys who don't know, every Sunday night we we do like a you know, like a service. We do worship. We do the word, and it's usually not even a long one. It's pretty short in yeah. in comparison, right. like an hour and a half. Every now and then it might hit two hours. And and I had someone say, you know, I just like church to be an hour and be out. <laughs> Well, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So, and, and whatever you have, everybody has their own preference. Right. But this is the problem. It's it's not about time when it's about him because you right. can truly focus on you know like these moments is what keeps me. Me getting into his presence in worship is what carries me through my week. Right, right. It's not about a song. It's about you know me engaging my heart to connect with him. Right. And and I think that that's you know like it, church unfortunately in a lot of realms has has just became like something people do right just because and it makes them feel good about their stuff for the week and you know whatever kind of yeah yeah. well and even as you grow like your mindset should never be get in and get out like as you grow as a christian yeah your heart should become maybe you don't need a church to minister to you Right. In the way that you used to when you right. were weaker or right. when you were still growing in certain things. But, you know, if you're at that point or whatever, then your heart should be like, man, what can I do to help somebody yeah. else or facilitate something else or like, you know. Yeah, because you should be there to like, you know, obviously receive, but also be there to see what you can give. Right. You know, like right. it should be a team effort to see, you know, how do we all engage what God wants to do in all of our lives collectively right. in this moment. And maybe it's for one person more than the another. But when we go in and we're focused on self, we can't see things that way. Yeah. It's all just about like, oh my gosh. Gotta be They've been singing for 34 <laughs> minutes now. You know, like yeah. it's kind of like this this time thing. And, and I think that that's um, the Americanized version of church is that, you know, it's like this... I put in my one hour per week and I'm good to go the rest of the week. And I can act like hell the rest of the week, but I put in my one hour so you know I feel good about myself. Right. And it's it's became that's that, a self righteous. It's a self righteous like, you know, you're not doing it for the reasons of of truly seeing because like freely you've received something from God. Right. And the Bible is very clear on freely you should give that away to somebody else. So, you know, like I think that um, you know, when we shift our mindset into that is when we begin to see fruit happen, you know, when we gather. Right. Well, and going back to the point that you said earlier about things things change when you actually encounter Him. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that could be unpacked in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. I was encountering God even before my experience with, you know, that I had in that church mm-hmm. setting. Even before that, I was encountering God through this person that He right. put in my life. Yeah. So that's a, you know, that was a super important piece, you know, like for me to see somebody actually, you know, like really love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I was experiencing the love of God through this person. Right. I didn't think that at the time. I couldn't put language to that. Absolutely. But now looking back, like I can see that that that's how God started it. It was through a person. Which is so cool because, you know, like that shows that he's he wants to use people right. to show other people who he is. 
But what else I loved about that part of it was you said, you know, it was more than his actions. It wasn't so much about like him just telling you, you need to do A, B, C, D. You know, it was kind of like an example. Um, And and that speaks so much louder than people's words. And so I think that's another important key to that. All right, so what about you, man? All right, cool. So, um, yeah, man. So I um, actually uh, grew up in southern West Virginia, um, in you know, down we're in the coal country part of the area uh, state, and that's um, basically was the culture, you know, like, um, and, and you know, like growing up, I didn't go to church too often. There would be a couple of times we would go here and there, but um, wasn't like a norm, a regular thing. So. Um, I wasn't really introduced to that too much. Mm. And I think when my parents did go, I was kind of younger and don't quite remember some of it. But then there was, you know, several years where they stopped going. Um, And then by the time I was an adult, you know, like I didn't, that that real impressionable time I never really got. There's never really a foundation. Right. So there was none, you know, for years. Um, And then uh, I quickly, it was the same type of thing though, like with the drugs, the way that happened was... um, like there was a void, an obvious void inside of me that I had to fill. Um, and it was fun at first and it becomes recreational. And before you know it, like you can't wake up out of bed without it. And right. and I went to college um, at Concord University. And there is when I started partying, like taking ecstasy, going out to bars, um, you know, like and, and a lot of it. And I when I go back to the root of, of my whole addiction, most of it was rebellion um, because even though like we didn't get raised in church, my, my family, my dad was really strict. So you, there was not a lot of like, you know, going out and wiggle room. <laughs> yeah. You're like you went out partying on the weekends ever. It was like, no boy, you will be here. And so, um, so the first moment of freedom was just gone. Wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean like all the way, you know, all in. And I've, you know, I've always been that way with anything I do. I don't just do it like a little bit. I go all in, which I realized, um, was one of the greatest gifts that God gave me. Right. You know, like it's one of the greatest gifts that He put inside of me is to like go hard at whatever I do. So um, I went hard. I dropped out of college. Ended up going into the mines, and um, became quickly addicted to pain pills. And I won't go real deep into that part, but you start with pills. Um, you start taking them and snorting them and shooting them, um, and then eventually, like you just can't manage it. You know, and then. Um, on April the 6th of 2013 was a very, like, I'll never forget that day. It's such a turning point day um, in, a, in a bad way, but later for a really good way. And it's the day that I remember getting a, a phone call from my cousin. Um, her name's Robin. And she was like, you know, Timmy, I can't wake Brandy up. You got to get over here. Brandy being my little sister. Um, and I'll never forget pulling up to the house and there was two cop cars, two ambulances, and I jumped out of the truck, ran through the yard, and I saw my mom and my niece, Angel, um, my sister's daughter, who was five at the time, standing on the porch, and I opened the door to my brother's house where they were, and I saw my sister laying there on the floor, and she had passed away, and I'm like, dude, how, how does, you know, something that is supposed to be fun turn into this moment yeah, yeah. you know like because she she'd been using for she'd been using for time. years and, and then when the guilt sets in it was like we used together right, many right. times actually the first time she ever used a needle i was the one that you know introduced her to that mm-hmm. and um so you know after this moment like i just went so much deeper man like mm-hmm. i went as deep as i could into the addiction um doing all kinds of just ridiculously dumb stuff and then um in February of 2014, I got my income tax and I uh, actually went and got this little motel room, the little janky ones you buy by the week. And I bought a bunch of drugs with my income tax and I went into this room and I was just trying to like, you know, looking back now, I know I was just trying to um, do what you were talking about earlier. Um, how do I deal with this pain? Like, how do I get rid of this pain that I'm carrying? And knowing no other way, you know, I just was trying to shoot it away and so i just kept doing more and more and more and it was so weird because you know like you realize later like the way the devil works is that he will isolate you into a place where you are alone with just him and that's when he begins to really hammer those 
depressing thoughts into your head. Like, mm. to be honest with you, dude, subconsciously, I never thought I'd leave that hotel room alive. Mm. I, I knew I went there to die. I almost just knew that this is what it was going to be. Um, and I, um, you know, like, was still was taking all these other medications, like you were talking about earlier, like the antidepressants, the, the um, anxiety medicine, the sleeping medicine, Seroquel, all that stuff. And I took it all. Um, and then that night I, I overdosed and I was sitting up when I fell asleep. So the only reason I didn't die was because, um, my back was up against this wall. You weren't laying down. I wasn't laying down. Like for my sister, um, you know, as an example, she was laying down and it was the same exact thing happened. Um, and I woke up and, and, you know, my family had came over and they were like, dude, you're going to die here. You, you got to go get help. Mm. And I kicked them out of my room. I can remember a cop coming over. They were trying to like get me committed. And he walked through the room. It was the oddest thing, man. I had heroin baggies laying around. There was a needle in the drawer. He just walked around and he just walked out. And I was like, must be meant for me to die in this room. <laughs> like, cops ain't even gonna take me out of here. And so I- um, Just let him die. Yeah, just let him die. It's okay. Less, pa- less paperwork. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back later. Don't worry. <laughs> And so um, I can remember that night my friend came over and he, he really rescued me out of this room. He, he tricked his way into the room. His name's Jared Pugh, an amazing man. Um, he tricked his way in and he was like, uh, you know, just tell me about God. And I knew him. I knew I grew up beside of him. His dad was a pastor of a church of God. He um, actually was uh, like one of my good friends growing up, you know. And he had went away for a couple of years to a ministry called Eddie James Ministries mm. um, because he had a drug problem. Mm. And he was a PK. Yeah. And so um seems to happen with some PKs. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be an there's issue. Either, there's, it's like two extremes. You're like that goody-goody guy that's Perfect, like never done anything straight edge, you know? <laughs> or like heroin. <laughs> like heroin. Yeah, there's like, no in-between. There is no gray. No. <laughs> so he talks me into going to his house, man. And I... You know, like up until this moment, there wasn't this vast experience of who God was. He had tried to reach me a couple times in the years prior, but, you know, like I was just not really having it. And But anyways, I'll never forget this one particular day, and it was um, March the 1st, 2014, and I'm laying in this bed, and I'm going through terrible withdrawals, man. I know you remember those feelings. Like, um, for anybody listening that does not know what heroin or opiate withdrawals feel like, feel like you're dying. Yeah. It won't kill you, but you feel yeah. like you're dying. It's legit. Yeah. Um, and I prayed, man, and it was the most sincere prayer that yeah. I had ever said in my life. And I didn't even know, you know, like, if anything was going to... I just knew I didn't... I really didn't want to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I really didn't want to keep living the way I was living. Right, right. But I really knew no way to kind of get out of it, you know. like Which is why feel, you consider... Not, yeah. Why you legitimately consider like death. Death. Because it's like, well, I know that that will, it, you know, in your mindset, you're like, yeah. I'll put an end to it. Yeah. Like, I can't keep doing this. I just know that, you know, this is not the life I want to live. So, um, and I prayed, man, and, and I felt, I was like, God, I don't even know if you're real. Mm-hmm. Like, I really still had all these doubts and questions, you know, because I used to always question, if God was real, why would my sister die? Why would this happen? Why would, you know, like all of these things the enemy tries to plant in your mind like mm-hmm. you know um and i can just remember this knowing that like i needed something and i felt um this presence that i had never experienced before and it was the most peaceful feeling i ever felt in my life and i knew it was god's presence yeah. i didn't know a lot more but i knew it was his presence um and i was like oh my gosh what is this because you know, like, um, and a lot of people, I've had people come up to me after I tell this story. This one person came up and she said, you're lying. <laughs> but my heroin withdrawals were like very mm-hmm. much mild, pretty much all the way gone. Dude, I ate Mexican the next day. Mm-hmm. You cannot eat Mexican right. after crazy. doing that much. Like I did 19 stamps of heroin and like 10 Roxy's the night before. Yeah. So you were like, I mean, there was a, there was a supernatural supernatural dude and i don't care what anybody in this world says i know what i experienced i know it was real and you know almost seven years later um that's what catapulted me into life right and so this one moment and this is why you know like i really stress to people so much man like 
Um, you can say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all day, but that experience right. is what changes you. It's yeah. like, you know, I, I try so hard to get people to engage, like when we do worship, when, you know, because like that presence is what changes you. Right. Right. And without There's no amount of like, you know, talking matter. or describing no. things about him that can no matter how much you read right. no matter you know because you can have all this truth inside of you but not knowing personally the one who who wrote that truth um it's all it can only be words right you know and i think this is a good place to pause for a second too because this is a good example like i don't want people to think you know because god doesn't move in the, in you know, any two people's lives the same. It's never the same. So, like, you know, if you're listening and you're like, you know, God, I wish I could have that, like, instantaneous yeah. thing. Like, for me, it wasn't, uh, with regards to drugs, it wasn't It wasn't an instantaneous thing. It wasn't that at all. For me, it was a, I started to fall in love with him. Right. And over the course of, Slowly. I'm going to say three months, the things that I desired like just slowly, like I literally remember, because I, re- I had porn, I was addicted to porn, mm-hmm. like really bad. And I remember just being like, <laughs> I just, one day I was just like, man, like I haven't looked at porn in like a month and a half. Oh, yeah, like, right. It, it, it like I was, he kept me that like naive and just oblivious to the fact that he had just like, you know, taken all these things out of my life. Yeah. Over time, it was like the desire as I, as I, Fell more in love with who he is. Mm-hmm. The desires for all those other things just lessened and lessened until yeah. they were no more. And see, that's <clears throat> what's important to know because I think sometimes people will hear, you know, like my story and think like I'm doing something wrong right, if it don't happen like be. that. Yeah. Right. But I just think that, you know, God knows the way he needs to connect with every right. person. And and for me, I need it like this, you know, supernatural moment right. to even believe that it was possible yeah. like because you know i was like this far away from dying like you said you didn't even know you you questioned god's existence yeah i didn't so even in, like in my case i yeah. never really questioned his existence so like right. you said that's perfect how you said it. it's like god knows exactly what each individual person yes. needs you know and it's always different it's okay like if your experience isn't like this you know slam boom right you just slap me in the face with his presence if it's a process, you know, it's okay. Like, there's no wrong way to get to where he's trying to get you. And yeah. and I think that that, um, you know, and, and, and I've grown a lot in that because the, for, for the longest time, you know, when you experience something and you're so young and all of it and you just think to yourself, well, they just need that encounter. Right. Yes, they do. But it might look different than the way it looked for me. Yeah. It might, you know, for I've learned that, you know, for some people, they might, like my wife is a good example. For years, she did AA. Mm. never knew Christ but AA led her to Christ mm. to the point where you know like it was God 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 and then she needed more and she's like I just kept hitting these walls and I just knew I needed something more because yeah. it just wasn't enough anymore <laughs> and so she's then she met Christ yeah. and so like it's different <laughs> for each person you know like whatever your path to that looks like it's fine you know it don't have to look like mine it don't have to look like yours um and i think that that's a, a big thing that people should understand and like so after this moment though i had you know like um people don't realize the the process that happened after the moment you know like um they hear about that moment and then they just see you know seven years later and they're like yeah that one encounter <laughs> right, right. i'm like no 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 wow. no 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 <laughs> Because the renewing of my mind for me to begin to think oh, yeah. differently was truly a year, over year, over year process that still happens. And um, I went into that Eddie James Ministries that my friend had been in, um, and I and I go into this you know ministry not knowing anything about God, and it was very much the same where it was you know uh, spirit filled, and they were I would hear people speaking in tongues and stuff like that. And at first I was like, what in the world? <laughs> What are they doing? Am I, am I in a cult now? Yeah, like, I, am I so, some kind of cult? yeah, that's what you think. It really is. And we're like all live together and we're traveling. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? And then I, I, I watched, I observed because, you know, even with the experience of, of experiencing God, you still need to see people as the example. Right. And I used to watch Eddie James so close. I don't even know if he ever even knows this now. I would watch what he would say. And then I would watch and see what he did. And it lined up and it raised my um, 
dude, it raised my faith in God because I'm like, this is somebody that's saying it. They're fathering me. They're teaching me this, but they're living it. Right. Like he really will, you know, drive. I saw him literally drive hours out of the way just to rescue one person and then not care about the cost of it, you know, just lay his life down for somebody else. And it was such an inspiration for me. So um, I went through his Dream Life program. I became the director, and then uh, we moved here to Parkersburg, West Virginia. Such an odd thing, you know, how God does things. (laughs) That's always an odd thing. Yeah, because I'm like, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, in a Jamaican area, like, very different, you know, culturally. It pretty similar to... Yeah, yeah, it was kind of yeah, close. Yeah, big yeah. yeah, besides, <laughs> I don't think we have one Jamaican person. <laughs> and um, it was cool, you know, like it was a good place for me to grow that was so different than where, what I knew. Right. But then a couple years later, we ended up here um, through just a bunch... Of, we don't have time to go into all of that, but we ended up here and I... Um, Felt like God said, you know, start a ministry called High on Hope. And with the help of like, um, you know, downtown Bethel Church and and, um, other people in the community that rallied behind it, we started that ministry. Um, And if you fast forward, I met my my wife here. I, you know, um, now have a family here. I now have a uh, family, meaning like even people like yourself and people, you know, it's so crazy the way God does things because... When I look back, dude, I never would have chosen the city to live right, in. Right, yeah. Not that I disliked it. I just I didn't know. I don't know that know. anybody would, really. No, honestly. like, without God saying, <laughs> right. I need you here. Right. And, and I moved here, and it was kind of like, I just knew. Like, this was, even if, it's so weird, too, because I think about that whole process of Eddie James Ministries moving from Atlanta to here, and it lasted about, I don't know, a year and a half. And then they left, and I think, was that all? For would God have did all that yeah. just to get me to where I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. and um, it's insane, man. So you know, like with that, now we have high on hope and we help people out of addiction, but we also have the reach in it where we, um, I think, um, man, God started a movement in August that I just think is just beginning to to take um, root, and man, it's it's crazy that now. Here we are with the fullness of life, man. Um, I just look back and, you know, to think seven years ago, I was a homeless heroin addict and <laughs> now this is life. Yeah. Only God. Right, right. There's not, no other explanation. It gets to the point, and I'm sure you, you feel this way too, but it gets to the point where, like, there, there are other things in my past, like, that I didn't get into, but, like, abortion being one of them. Mm-hmm. That For me, that was a cycle of, like, constant uh, condemnation, you know? Like, I felt oh, like I was yeah. getting healed, and, you know, then the devil would come and be like, who are you to feel, you know, right. like, like you're getting, who are you to have healing from this? You know? Yeah. But what I'm getting at is there's a point where you're you're so, like, you grow in Christ to a point where, Man, the past can't even have a grip on you because yeah. you are literally you can't even identify with that person anymore. No. That your mindset you have the memories. Yeah. You remember even, you know, what it was like to think in that mindset. Right. You know, all the things that you did. But it's like, man, there there's no place for accusation because it's right. like I am literally a different person. Yeah, completely. <laughs> Isn't it weird when you think about that and you can't even recognize who that person yeah. was that's it's, such it's an a, odd feeling it is it really is like that's really the this you know it's really his word coming to life when it says um second corinthians five seventeen. those who are in christ are a new creation behold all things are new old things pass away and when people read that like if you if you never had this drastic transformation it's hard to really identify with like um i was truly living in a false identity right like that was never who God made me to be right. for a second. And and it's just insane because, you know, like the, isn't it weird too, how you, you, you realize that like, um, all the giftings you had, like you're an amazing, uh, worshiper. Like you have a powerful voice, man, that's anointed. But let me ask you this before you knew him, did you ever use that gift? I don't know. See, that's so strange. No, I, mean, I, to me. I, uh, I, I would sing like privately, you know right like i enjoyed music right know? but like i 
I would never ever let somebody hear me. Say, right. You know, like and never in a million years. And now, like, you know, you you lead and usher in God's presence. But it's so crazy to me how um, you know, so many people wander through life and they never know their purpose or right. their giftings. And um it shows that the relationship with God is what reveals those. Right. Like that's who you find out, where you find out, like what do I have inside of me that this world needs? Right. Like I never was even much of a, a, you know, it would seem like it. You would probably think like I was a talker, you know, previously just because I, I can talk a lot. <laughs> and, um, but the reality is that I really wasn't like, I wasn't real vocal all the time. And, um, would, like, you, would you say that you were like more introverted? Yes. Yeah. Very, very introverted. The yeah. opposite of, right. of who so, I am now. It's so funny. That's so odd. And I, I kind of think of it, uh, I mean, as you know, I'm a, I'm a designer. So, like, yes. I, I just literally think it's it's simple in my mind. Like, you're, you've discovered what your design is. Like, yeah. And, and obviously, we're not saying that, like, we've arrived. No, no, but, no. But we, no. we're getting a better glimpse of who we, yeah. like you said, who we really are. Who, yeah. who God made us to be. Yeah. It's revealed by God because God is the one who fashioned us. God's the one who... Yes. He's the designer who knows what you know all the how all the pieces fit. So. so if he made us, then he's the one who's going to show us what he put inside. And and that's it's really funny because as a designer, um, you know Daniel, if you guys he didn't go into that part, but he's a graphic designer and he does amazing work. Like our any logos that we have in our ministry were designed by Daniel. And I think about um, I think about that though. Like I think about that creativity that he placed inside of you. Um, is a gift because there's not very many people that can do that. But you can't fully tap into that gift without him. Right. You know, like right. the fullness of it. Right. And, 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 I, and at this at this point too, you, you know when it is him. Like yeah, as you grow in the gift, whether it's singing, whether it's speaking, whether yeah. it's designing, it's a humbling feeling when you're doing those things. And you know no. that you are now operating outside of your realm of um, just talent. Yeah. Like there are certain, like like for me personally, there are times where I'll be singing or leading worship. And I'm like, I'm being literally carried by the Lord right now because you can tell. this is not, it's not me. Yeah. And same with designing. Like there'll be things that are all like be video editing or something. And be like, man, this is coming together in a way that is not is not it's not me, and yeah. it, it's a humbling thing. Like, it's like, man, that's so cool though, because it it really it shows that like um, he is the one that can perfect those things he's put inside of you. You know, like there's times when I do messages and and to just to be real transparent, um, I'll walk away and not remember any of it, and I usually know that that's those are the ones that were truly him yeah. and then there's times just being honest you know i don't know if a lot of people say this publicly but i don't care to well i'll walk away and i'll be like that was terrible <laughs> that was some of me in there yeah. you know like, and then but, somebody probably comes up to you and is like man that was the best exactly yeah heard. that's so so you you gotta you know like it, it's a really tricky balance because yeah. you know like you can you're not always the best judge of of um, your own yeah of yeah of your own gift yeah yeah you don't realize, like, I, I'm fascinated by other people's gifts. It's such an intriguing thing to me, which is why I think, like, I try to be real big on pushing people into them because I'm like, um, even like these logos, you know, like, I'm like, dude, how in the world do you even come up with that? You know, like, where's that at in you that you can, like, put that to life? Mm. And um, even with singing, I'm like, you know, how is it that you can like sing and anointing is on it and i know it's god and i know it's the holy spirit but to me it's one of the most beautiful things to like watch people operate in yeah you yeah, know yeah. such a cool thing cool. well that was a good first <laughs> good first episode yeah laid the foundation of yeah who the people that are talking are yeah <laughs> that's always important yeah now you guys know us um from the death to life podcast um and uh, we're really looking forward to bringing some topics that, you know, like are, are very um, current event type things happening in our world. Um, we look forward to getting to connect with you guys more. And um, this will be available on several different platforms. So um, we look forward to meeting you guys. Uh, we would love to hear feedback. We would also love to hear if you guys have any topics that you would like for us to talk about. Um, and yeah, man, this has been fun. And don't uh, um, 
don't think that it's only limited to you know like uh, the 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 sphere of the church. Or yes, we're gonna talk about you know some things yes. that are gonna be controversial and yes. that kind of thing. But yes, uh, yeah, we have some topics that I think will be amazing for you guys. They're not all gonna be um, just about. Um, you know, only faith. Um, they'll always be from a perspective of our faith, but right. there will be topics that are uh, far further than um, what we talked about tonight. It'd be cool too if, um, you know, maybe we'll even get to a point where we'll actually like have people call or, or you know. Yeah, like join us right, in. Right. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> several people I had in mind and I think that would be fun. So we'll add people in, get their inputs on certain things. Um, and I think that you guys will uh, enjoy the next couple ones we have coming up. Um, so however you are hearing this, whether it's on a uh, Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, um, we want to hear from you too. So uh, let us know where you're, you're listening from. Um, and also let us know a little bit about you. And on this particular topic, let us know how God transformed your life and what he's done for you. Um, Yeah, it's good. So join us next week for the Death to Life podcast. Talk to you guys soon.